tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Oh! Four lights! So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. Yes, and one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Chrissy Raffensperger. And I'm Dave Soto. And uh, Miles, Dave, Chrissy, it's great. To, Chrissy, number one, it's fantastic to have you back on the show again. I know you almost forgot your name there. I saw that. But I, <laughs> <laughs> Should I say Jen? Yes. Jen. Yeah, yes, Jen, Jen is Jen's back. easier. We'll just call you Jen from now on out. Okay. <laughs> So. Well, it wouldn't be the first time people just randomly change my name. Yeah, stuck, we just did it. So. Uh, it's a long story that uh, that Larry, you'll have to go back to past shows to hear. But my son, I'll give you the abbreviated Cliff Notes version. My son gets Chrissy mixed up with another friend of mine named Jen and calls Chrissy Jen all the time. And so one time in one of the shows, we just called her Jen the entire show. So, so she's now Jen. All right. Yeah, here we go. Um, Much well, cheaper than using a lawyer. Yeah, it is. It is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and speaking of Larry, Larry, it's great to have you back on the show again. It's been a while. It has been a while. And I always enjoy having a slice of, uh, yeah, here at the Sci-Fi Diner. There you go. Well, you know, we managed, we did manage to stay open during COVID, six feet apart, masking and all that jazz. But it was good. But I... Uh, but I understand that uh, doing what you do, especially with the Trekland tours and stuff, COVID had to kind of uh, throw a wrench into a lot of plans you were having. Well, you know, um, I, so I start as a business to try to stabilize things. I started Portal 47 like six years ago. So we were virtually conferencing people around the world with, you know, behind the scenes guests and, and roundtabling and all that um, way before the world caught on to Zoom. So that part of it was could go on. If, if people still had a, <laughs> people still had jobs right. uh, to be able to be members. But yeah, the tours, I was just ramping it up because I had, I had done this three or four times for a company out of Canada, a guy, Terrace, real good guy, who has a niche geek tour company and they do military historical stuff. And we did three in 2012, 14 and 16 for the 50th. We did three, you know, Star Trek location site tours around LA and then added a San Fran on the 50th. So I was going to do that as a day tour, and I was just getting it going after about six, nine months when COVID hit. And so that, you know, flumped that. So now we're ramping all that back up again. We're doing the big tour next year, finally again, for 10 days in um, in February 2023. I'm sorry, in July 2023. And that's Geek Nation Tours' this thing. And then, but my own, I've had two people now do just like one, two people day tours again, just in the last Back last Friday, the hottest day of the year here. We were out walking around Paramount lot uh, before we took off for some other places. But um, but yeah, and then I've got a Roddenberry tour, Centennial tour coming up in August for two days. That's mine. Uh, that's at my website. And then and then we're doing a Geek Nation tour the one day before the Vegas convention, um, the day before, so people come into town. And that's going to be that's in August. So okay. if you're going to Vegas, that might be of interest. And then the cruise, the Star Trek, the cruise is leaving from LA this year, next year, not from the East coast, Florida. So I'm offering a, an away days like set tour. I've already had a million cruiser type people yelling at me <laughs> to do something. So we're going, we're going to do a special like day tour the day before they disembark. 
So yeah, it's, it's on the it's all at LarryNovichuk.com and or GeekNationTours.com for those two things. But yeah, it's it's exciting. And then you know, I've and I had some other people. I've had at least two other people get in touch with me about doing you know day tour, trekline treks day tours just us. So it's amazing how I'm I'm like wow, was it this busy before the pandemic or yeah. was this that and other just everything in general? It's like. Did I like age twenty years in the pandemic, or or we're just rusty, or what's going on? So, when you give people the tours, like, so I know you go to Paramount Lots, but what are some other locations that you kind of take your tour guests to when they go and tour with you? Yeah, well, when it's when it's a custom, when it's what I call my Trekline treks, is basically people go. They're, they've got a de- they're on business, they're on vacation. It's like you know, for years in L.A. and other places, you could go on a you know, a celebrity suicide tour and go see where John Belushi, you know, you could go, you could talk, all, take all kinds of Hollywood related tours. And I thought Star Trek fans ought to have that too. And I've got all the research on locations. And so, you know, Vasquez rocks are famous, right? The Gorn fight and about five other things too, or uh, Tillman water plant where Starfleet Academy was for most people all through TNG and Voyager and DS9. Those are like the famous ones, but there's really, over 40, and now with the card, there's probably over 50 uh, places around LA. Some of them are big, some of them are small, you know, famous, obscure. So what I do is, the structure is I say, here's a list. Um, you can pick, we go to four places. I call them two bigs and two littles. And then a fast food lunch. And if they're from out of state, I try to get them to in and out. But, you know, whatever. Um, the other day, we just ate at the Paramount Commissary because it made sense. But that's included. So, you, yeah, you get like four places in the day and lunch, and I pick you up at your hotel, and we have about six hours, like nine to three or ten to four or something like that. So, But, the, but people customize their own within reason. If I say, oh, you're cramming in too much, we can't cover all that, you know, we finesse it. But I make sure, you know, if it's weekday versus weekend, there's pluses and minuses to all that. So, But I work with them. They pick it out. And then it, so it's their, it's their custom away mission. And what's wacky is like a lot of people will bring cosplay. They want to go to Tillman. They want to put on their uniform, you know, and they want to, they want to be, uh, you know, at attention in front of uh, Starfleet Academy or something or Starfleet headquarters. <laughs> and I've had people that had this one couple from England that I love had, had a Picard and Beverly Dixon Hill action figure and a Tom Paris warped in ripping his tongue out from threshold figure. And they took them everywhere they went on their vacations, and they take pictures with them. <laughs> so I helped them take the pictures with their, you know, and somebody else had a had a stuffed version of their black cat they had to leave at home. But they always took pictures of their stuffed cat to show their real cat back home. Anyway, no. whatever they <laughs> you know, right, right. It's, you learn a lot about people when they're on vacation, oh, yeah. especially truck fans. There you go. Right. That's right. Well, so that's- whatever you know, whatever I can help with, that's just that's just part of it. But anyway, but that's it's really it's really of course the big one for Geek Nation tours has big tours, and we've had eighteen twenty people. This next week, the Voyager documentary offered a perk of like a like a going to a location site with actors, and I'm going to do two of those days, kind of as my donation to the documentary. Okay, which is like different, but that's going to be like 30, 40 people. Right. which is going to be crazy at a couple of places, but it's all, it's amazing that, you know, I had this idea a few years ago and now it's starting to catch on and, you know, and it's not like, I'll just say one last thing. It's not like, uh, 
the Star Trek set tours up in upstate New York, which is which is even licensed and official. They're awesome. That's sets. And if you and of course everybody thinks, oh yeah, I'm gonna sit in the captain's chair and soon it'll they're gonna have the next gen bridge as well as the original series. That's totally thing, and we don't overlap that at all. This is only like going outdoors and seeing outdoor places, although yeah, Paramount's a thing. We walk around the lot and here's all the stages. Here's some of the outdoors they used on camera. And here's, you know, where the original series was. Here's Next Gen's was. Here's the stages. And a lot of, you know, I did that just the other day. And people, people, there's some amazing little nooks and crannies that people, that they use on the series, including original when it was Desilu. And people, it just blows people's minds sometimes. But that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And they get and they get you, uh, who is literally Doctor Star Trek, to guide them around. So. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, what I try to do is like, re- like if like original series. Obviously, I wasn't here, but we know, you know. But a lot of the Berman era, quote unquote, I'll kind of just fill in and say, well, you know, here's what it was like. And that, now, there's times when I have somebody, somebody can meet us and we can talk there or elsewhere. But especially on the bigger tours, we have people and. The big one next year that's in July, that's 10 days, it will be L.A. and San Fran for the first time with a stop off at the Sunstone Winery, which was the, the vineyard in the new Picard, and go in and see that, which you can't do just dropping in. You can do tasting, but you can't go in the big villa house unless it's a special arrangement. They need 10 people or more or something. So that's going to be a big thing, but we're going to try every stop. We're going to try to have some uh, some actor that was involved with something shot there with us. Oh, that'll be awesome. So, you know, I come on over for a couple of hours. So that's a, which is why we, we, and we've got four people announced so far. For, we've got Armin, uh, Tim Russ, Mike Westmore, not always actors, but, and Bobby Clark, of course, at Vasquez Rocks for the Gorn. But to have people stand there and tell you about filming, um, you know, what it was like that day and just give that real world sense. That's one thing that anybody can go to Vasquez Rocks and see the tilted rocks. And that's awesome. But to have somebody like Bobby telling you what it was like filming in you know nineteen sixty six and where all this that's that's you can't replace that. No, you, you can't. can't. You can't. Yeah. Those are priceless, priceless things. And you can't get I mean it's and you can hear him talk about it at a con on stage or in an interview or a podcast, but to be standing there three dimensionally with them in the space and you there and taking pictures out the wazoo or video or whatever, it's yeah. Yeah, and me cool. holding your action figures for you while we take pictures. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Sort of like you know the big fight scenes with him and Kirk. Uh, yeah, slow motion. But you know, um, the Friday, the Capella Four, Friday's Child, where they, you know, the rocks, the communicator vibrating and doing that was all at Vasquez Rocks. And who watches the Watchers on TNG was Vasquez Rocks, and you know, it's got several. It's been used for several. Shore leave. It's even in everything with Finnegan and shore leave was at Vasquez Rocks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I left you speechless already. Okay. You did. You did. It's great. Uh, time to get you off the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, I, I think, uh, Dave, I see a, a trip in the future. Well, you're, you're, you're giving me a reason to want to come to California. There you go. I, I mean, that's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just cool. I blew your brain. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. What's Paramount doing with the the studios where they used to shoot all the Berman era track? Is that, I guess, been, you know, th- those sets are all gone and they're using that oh, that, yeah. that uh, stage for something else now. 
Yeah, I mean, stages are just like apartments. I mean, like somebody lives there for a while, they pay rent, and then when they move, they move, and somebody else, it's empty for a, a week or two, and then gets cleaned, and then somebody else moves in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, eight, what's funny is I was just telling the people the other day, eight and nine, which for you, you know, the original motion picture sets were built on, on nine, and then they used them forever, all through Next Gen and Voyager. I mean, they were redressed, but the basic bones was there, and then they made a big change for enterprise and tried to shake everything up. But basically those sets eight and nine uh, were used for 18 years or whatever, and then taken out and NCIS LA uses them now. And it's a kind of frou-frou things up, but it's fun. Like the old, the phone booth that sat out front, that's gone. Cause nobody uses phone booths anymore, but they, at the same bench you see in photos. Like if you've got some of the collector cards, they had, all the extras sitting on this bench out in front of the eight and nine joint door, that bench is still sitting there. Not that that's like huge history piece, but it's just kind of, <laughs> you know, wacky to see stuff like that. But, right. <clears throat> and there's just a lot of things that are exactly, exactly the same, or you can see right. the, the coolest thing. And I didn't know this until 2012 in a, in a, in a Paramount page showed me on the Desilu side, they tore down the wall when Paramount bought Desilu, like, Second, late second season of the original series is when they start running the Paramount thing at the end, not Desilu. But the Desilu's paint scheme was like kind of just barely off white with a, like a deep royal blue. And then Paramount's has always been this kind of beigey thing with a, with a different shade of, of dark, dark blue. But you can look at, and they got renumbered. So all the original Desilu stages were added on to numbers at the end of the original Paramount numbers. Which confuses people. Sometimes they say the original series stage nine, but there's a Paramount stage nine because now the original Desilu is now stage 30, which confuses people. But if you go to 30 and 31 and you look up on the wall where the big you know painting is and it's that beige with like dark, dark blue. Somebody showed me a few years ago. You can look below the one in the 31. And if you look real closely, you can see where the nine dash 10, much smaller was painted and when they painted over it you can still see like there's a smooth surface and you can make out the which is just like um it's like digging through the pyramids or something right, it's like right. oh my god it's like it's yeah. like right there it's just, you know it's the closest you can get to right. history without time absolutely. traveling or something absolutely what a, just a little a little thing like that yeah so let's say we uh we 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 do a kickstarter we earn some money for dave to come out and do this tour um <laughs> And he wants to have sign up for you. Where where am I going to send Dave to sign up for all these tours that you're offering and to find out maybe some of the big ones and even some of the more personalized one? What website would we take them to? Well, and the best thing is going to, and I'm doing this as we speak, just my main website, LarryNemichek.com, is going to have the links to all this. But you can see the two, the big Geek Nation tours next summer. And the little one day before Vegas is at geeknationtours.com. And then if you want to do your custom trek with me, just go do treklandtreks.com. But there's links, -E there's, there's okay. links to all of this off of larrynemichek.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So very good. Awesome. And I, I know that uh, a, a, a project that was near and dear to your heart that you're working on for years <laughs> um, you know, you already know what I'm going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. Yeah. Me, so, uh, yeah. Did, did, any update on that? Where are we at on with the Con of Wrath? The, the Con of Wrath. That's right. 
Yeah, and you're not even like a, a an investor, an associate producer. Oh yeah, no. yeah. I'm just curious. We were like, I... oh, pandemic. We're gonna. It's it's like ninety percent shot. We just need to do posts, sit down, and actually work through it. And and the whole thing has always been unlike, like Dave Zappone and his team, or the center seat guy. You know, the uh, the nacelle company people that have companies. It's just been me and an editor. Um, and we just had to, you know. We thought, oh, pandemic, we'll have tons of time now to work on this. And then we both had to like totally shift lives for that. So uh, it's one of my, it's like the tours now have exploded and people right. are like, it's almost like in demand. So that's my thing of fighting. No, I've got people that put some money in and a lot of people put a little bit of money in and, and the world is waiting. And it's kind of like, it was the first big project I jumped on before everything else the last 10 years exploded. <laughs> so we need to, we need to button it up. So. No. Yeah, it's well. still alive. I still keep hearing from people who I didn't hear from before, including a couple of, I don't want to say major players, but a couple of uh, play, people that have great stories um, that I'm like, well, if nothing else, I can still squeeze them in. I've already got 40, 50, including, uh, you know, Walter and George and Hart Bennett before, well before he passed and, um, and Michelle when she was like a whole five, six years ago when she was, you know, two or three generations back and being able to talk about things. So, um, no, it's got a lot, you know, Wendy Dewan talks for Jimmy and, uh, Carrie O'Quinn from Starlog magazine, who was the MC and, you know, for the celebrity end. And then we've got the, the, we got tons of fans, tons of dealers, tons, all the organizers. Right. Um, you know, I, I, it's a great story. I still want to get it out there. Uh, we just need to do it and I'm doing it without like a ton of financing and a, right. and a team. Right. So, well, very good. Well, we'll just. Well, whenever yeah. it comes, we'll uh, we'll be here to enjoy it. So, and it sounds like you're doing things that pay the bills, and that's uh, more important than that's, sometimes. Yeah. That, yeah. So the world has been evolving. That's it's, right. That's plus, right. Plus, here's a segue for you. Plus, we seem to have a lot of Star Trek back on. There's a lot of Star Trek. There is. Uh, before we move into that lot of Star Trek, Dave and Chrissy, do you know what he's talking about regarding Conorath? I'm putting it together based on the context clues. No, you're busy Googling. I can see. <laughs> yes, with my mind. That, that, that was Dave. Dave Googled it. He's like, what are you talking about? Yes, no. I, I'm looking I'm looking here at like LarryNemacek.com. Sort of yeah. Documentary on Star Trek cons, I'm just guessing. <laughs> uh, can you give like a five-minute summary? Five, I'll, uh, five do, sentence. I'll do shorter than that because I know we want to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the but- Con of Wrath is what the fans named this event back in 1982 in Houston, which was set up to be the biggest, you know, and only 10 years after the first New York con. So Star Trek fandom and busting out from old sci-fi lit cons that only existed for 10 years. And there was a lot of wild West, you know, promoters out there by trying to do a big thing regionally, locally. And this guy and his team in Houston that had been doing, you know, local sci-fi cons and nostalgia slash sci-fi cons for ages with a lot of Star Trek heavy influence, because that it was the 70s and 80s. Um, they dreamed this dream of having the entire cast on show like a rock concert, like a rock show for Star Trek, and letting them do things that they never get to do on a stage, even you know, back in the day. And then had and they had their regular sci-fi con going. Houston Con was going, and then across town you went to the arena where the Houston Rockets played at the time. You know, it's an arena show, basically a Star Trek arena show. And it did not quite go according to plan. Yeah. Interesting. That's a nice. And it's an amazing story. It's funky. 
And people have said, well, there have been lots of cons that like blew up and didn't happen and different franchises. And that's very true. But this was like only 10 years into the game and it was kind of big and spectacular. And yet it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like rags, riches to rags to riches. A lot of people wound up just fine. Things happened. Nobody jumped off a cliff after it was done. One guy lost his shirt. But I mean, it's just the story is so wacky, and there's like 18 different levels of sub story. I mean, I feel like that's a very common occurrence at a con for someone to lose their shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if the shirt is green and made out of dollar bills, then maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if, oh, okay. if, you're, well, if you're on this show, apparently uh, we uh, put our underwear in our head and are playing with Play Doh, so you got it. So. That's right. <laughs> anyway, it's an amazing story and it deserved to be told and deserved to be told like and oh and on underneath all of that, I was there. It was my first out of state convention that I went to. Oh boy. But oh, I was just at, uh like my little brother and two of my buds from college and we went and were sucked up in this and had definite memories to add into the pile. Yeah. But uh yeah. And, so and, and, um, and it that, deserves to and, be remembered and, and recalled before yeah. you know the, the memory window totally fades and we lose people even more people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that unfortunately did not learn you about going to cons, did it? <laughs> <laughs> it did not learn me. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as uh, segue, there's a lot of Star Trek that we're kind of in the middle of, and. Uh, uh, so which one I know we just wrapped up a card and Strange New Worlds just dropped uh, where do we want to start well I'm going to suggest we do Picard first because it ended I have some then- questions about Picard that I'm sure you guys can answer but let's, let's go uh, let's talk about Picard then Chrissy did you watch Picard I, I have to fully admit I did not do any of my homework I actually I haven't been watching a whole lot of anything because I I did a whole bunch of overnights um so I have been reading um and I actually got off of my so are you okay if long spo- time I was on are, the you, are you okay if we spoil Picard for you because we're going to spoil it I my stance on spoilers is I don't believe in them so okay. go for it okay okay sounds good <laughs> okay. oh you uh-huh. and your social do-gooding yeah there you are <laughs> You're out there trying are. to do good things in the world instead of watching. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Priorities, Jim. Yeah, Priorities. Right. Yep. Yep. So let's jump into Picard. We had a fantastic season and one hell of a season finale that I'm sure we're going to delve into here. Um, let's talk about the finale that we saw this past week. Dropped down. It was insane. I watched it twice and cried both times. So that's how it impacted me. But so I'll get my tissues from when I'm binge watching it. Yes, Got it. Yes, it is. It's so. And the way they tied everything in from the first episode, it was so neatly sewn together. And I, I love the love the story. It, it, it's so amazing how you have this franchise on the same network, and. Of the two live-action Trek shows streaming, one of them is spectacular and amazing, and the other one, you would have thought J.J. Abrams was running it. <laughs> I don't like J.J., Larry, uh, at all. But um, 
maybe maybe they were like, you know what, we're really successful. We're gonna go focus on Picard. They gave it to some interns, and stuff happened. That, you never know. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. And then you so throw they, they were, you just, a strange you just new world into more lens this. Flare. That's all it is. You wanted lens flare. I'm like, how, is Discovery even really being written in the same building as some of these other ones? I mean, well, what the heck? Okay, so you're tired after writing the card. You're not comparing between Picard and Strange New. You're saying Strange and Picard versus Discovery. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Some coffee that got spiked with something. Guys, you know, Discovery had this really rough birth, and it's just never been quite the same ever. It has some lovely features. But it just never, it's had, you know, it had a rough start yeah. and it's just never quite been the well, same. Ever well, the first, the first two seasons of Discovery were, I thought were great. Oh. I, I mean, <laughs> for, for the simple fact that it, this, it, it, it's the first new Trek I've had on television in, I don't know, how many years has it been since I've been off the air? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's been forever. So th- there's a plenty of that excitement going into it. So you it. were walking with a lot of forgiveness to those first two seasons is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I know it's... opposite with many people. But yeah, yeah right, right. right. Yeah. Well, but but, but I, and you knew going into it, it, it's not the Berman area. It's not the Ron Moore or the Ira Bear era. It, 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 this is going to be different. And I was fine with that. Until Picard came along. And now Strange New Worlds, and it's like, okay, you no longer have an excuse. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, you should have just been salty with me at the beginning. That's because if you're salty, it can only go up from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try not to be that contentious. We <laughs> <laughs> know at times. Yeah. But oh my gosh, the, the, this finale. It was. Yeah, speaking well, was, of forgiveness. Use your words. Use your yeah, words. Use my words. <laughs> Finding them is so difficult. <laughs> but that 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 final scene there, it, toward the end with with Picard and Q, and, and having that that closure of a moment between these two right. comical adversaries was just. Brilliant. That's where I teared up. Yeah. You know? it, it really is. It just downright brilliant. And the fact that they were able to take for me a Picard that we've, you know, followed all through next gen and weave who he was then into and give him a backstory that was compelling and gave him reasons for why he acted that way as captain. And and what that did to him personally. And make it believable, and um, you know this whole idea of not forgiving yourself. What an incredible story! And I mean, how many of us, you know, walk with baggage from our past that we deal with, you know? And and you know, it makes Picard a real person and someone who's walking through forgiveness, just like we all do, you know. And it was uh, that was just so incredible, and. And uh, maybe in some ways redeemed Q a little bit too in the process. Well, but, but and, and now here's my thing with that. As I look back and think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I've always viewed everything Q has interjected himself with with Picard and, and the Enterprise crew. There was always something 
there, a lesson to be taught. A, like a, a something, chaos teacher, basically. Yes, yes yeah. basically. And, and bringing something out and, and growing their own humanity from that. And to see him guide Picard to this point of being able to shed that baggage, to be able to live his twilight years and enjoy it. He doesn't have to be the captain anymore. He can be a human being and live. Oh, God, it was just magic. I mean, Deanna never got this far. No. (laughs) (laughs) I I must say, I've not always been very impressed with her uh, counselor. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Nepenthe was the best counseling she'd ever done. I'm like, why are you retired? Yeah, you're rested up or something. Maybe it's just not the grind. Yeah, and, and to think, at, at, at where where would Captain Cisco be at that point if he didn't belt Q in the face and drive him away? <laughs> not on my show. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I, I, on one hand, when all was said and done, it's like the entire drama of the ten pieces basically was kind of like. Tapestry is a 10-hour miniseries. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, let's go back and revisit some part of your life. Because Tapestry – and the other thing was, okay, now we know all this. And about his, and the one thing that got me was – and I saw people complaining about this. But the scene, the innocuous little wacky scene in early wacky, early TNG where no one's gone before. And he has – and everybody's having their hallucinations because they've, they've wacky traveled to another place, dimension. And he sees his mother. And all these years, it was kind of like, oh, look, that's – he's remembering her as the last time he saw her, you know, elderly lady with the tea tray being all kindly. I said, no, that's not his grandmother. That's his mother. That's what – that's the last time he saw her maybe. And now to find out that's not the way he saw her last. That's the way he always imagined her as he got older, wanting her to be, uh-huh. you know. So I saw people fight, but what really got me when you had the ending, and you, I was kind of laughing about the ten chapter you know, tapestry blown out to ten hours, was the big thing about his life that we'd already always the tapestry was really about was the whole thing about being stabbed in the bar fight, right at the domjot right. table by the Nazis, and that was the big thing that had like traumatized him that he reacted to because exact opposite occurred he was a wild guy in his academy days and that settled him down but the whole you know the whole thing was about him being too timid coming out of it you know so he winds up being a a sciences lieutenant or something and everybody else's advanced. but it was like the big pivotal role of his life before then i guess maybe he was conscious of it was how he had been kind of a crazy guy and then that kind of made him you know hoa a narrower road. So anyway, I'm just I was trying to go, okay, well, if he had this dark secret that he blamed himself for and he covered it over for his own sanity and went forward, how does he get from that kid to the wild ass cadet that has to be taught another lesson, this you know, crazy wild way? And he had the regret about, but the regret is shown to be you know what I'm saying? Shown to be misplaced. Right. Q yeah. helps him see, quit worrying about this, just you know, be your life, and this is what would have what it would have been like. So it's like he's done it twice. He's taken him back to earlier times in his life, and that's cool. One is a one-hour episode. One's a ten-hour, you know, cinema TV. But I'm now I'm sitting here going, how did the kid from who was what was he five, six, seven when she killed herself? How does he get from that to the like twenty-year-old cadet that he is that we see it yeah. getting stabbed? Yeah, 
And I guess we don't have the answer for that. At least not yet. <laughs> there's books. There's comics. Because the it ain't coming on screen the next anymore. Season, the next season. Season three will explore that. Well, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, season three is going to be, he, they get the band back together again. I mean, most of, yeah. I mean, basically TNG crew unite, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. And yeah, who would? There's a teaser out there now with, uh, you just hear a lot of dialogue. Then you see Riker and Picard come out with their phasers drawn and, you know, just like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Maybe having to do something with helping the other special guest we saw in the finale episode. <laughs> Seeing Wesley Crusher come on was absolutely incredible. But I do have a question about that. He refers to the last time he told a joke, it almost destroyed the galaxy or something like the solar system. What is that in reference to? Because I, I, I obviously just, don't I wondered. I just think it's a one. I just think it's a one off thrown out there. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't actually a reference to anything in Trek that we know of. Well, <laughs> Watch guys. I'm going to let JJ Abrams direct this next movie. <laughs> 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 or somebody. No, I mean, um, yeah, we've totally blown it for you now. Um, that was no. I smiled. It was like oh, but then the minute that what overshadowed the fact that Will's there playing Wesley again was the idea that like oh, we're the travelers and we boss around the supervisors, and I'm like, wow, what? What? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. There's a there's a meta canonal you know over the fifty five years layer to throw down. Okay, right. <laughs> you know. I had to give Corey her, um, you know, the end of her story arc. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like yeah. how they kind of left it open. You know, maybe that plays into season three, right? Maybe. Well, it well yeah. So she's an AI. So so there are AIs that are travelers right. so and travelers come from all over because the original traveler was from what taos something's taos cygna c or something right, right. and will is supposedly human and she's an ai so right. well you know. Corey, isn't she like a, a, a human a human android the one that the adam sung made yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah she's you know she's you know the, well I, i'm not sure what the what was adam sung doing with with these Clones. I mean, what were the? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's an engineering. Well, he was he was practicing to do uh, Project Con. (laughs) Which, if you did see the date on it, a 1996 date on it. If you saw the folder, which was the year the Botany Bay took off and the the eugenics, the silent underground eugenics wars ended. I did not pick up on the date, but Uh I saw the folder and I was like, wow, Uh that is all. See that? Did you freeze frame it, Dave? When I came I, on, you're like, I had to rewind it like three times to be able to pause it at the right spot to get that date because I'm like, this better be 96 or even 95. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, continuity's good now. I'm happy. McCart <laughs> had an excellent callback to lots of past Trek. I mean, and everything in all the episodes, there was some some kind of callback to something. Yeah. I, so then here, here's my question out of this. So friendly, only one, only one, only one. You have, you have the, the, the new improved tempered, not so violent assimilated uh, Girardi Borg queen who leaves 
way back in 2024. Mm-hmm. Winds up again here now. We know she's made it through. She's still around and winds up on the stargazer at the end. That's her in the mask. <laughs> yes. So my, my, by, like, by how, my like, how do I put this in the one, one question? question not seven. Yeah. So, so by, by my temporal logic, it's a, multi, it's a multi-part question, Larry. Multi-part. Oh, okay. Multi-parted. <laughs> so she, to me, either started her own little board collective as she went through and wound up calling Picard out, or if she went back as the queen and joined the regular, you know, the, the collective we all come to know and love. How did that affect the Borg's influence through that time? Much less her own prior life as a human. Correct. In research and with and with uh, Maddox and killing Maddox. Correct. And even beyond that, did Locutus ever exist? Did Picard ever become assimilated through all that? I, I, see, I'm, I'm wondering did, if this is not like two separate board collectives, though. That's that's the only thing that would make sense to me because if they if they if they're not keeping the same ways, if she influenced it that far back, then Picard was would have never. Should have never been assimilated. Wolf three five nine should have never happened. The Saratoga would have never been destroyed. Jennifer Cisco would not have died. Cisco would not have become commander of Dia. It would have thrown the whole world into a loop. Here. I have a headache. I'm I have sorry. a headache. I did. I yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Scott about this the other day, and I started spitting out of control. Yeah, there, were, there were there was spittle like coming out as he was talking There's about no it. Need so, to spit out of so, control. so 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 Larry Larry, we need your help with this. What are your thoughts on this? So here's the here's the best thing of all because yeah you can go there. and I've seen people online trying to I, one of my friends uh, Rusty Harrell tried to diagram all this with the loops and the, like he wound up with like five lines coming back around her. I'm the guy from that, Always Sunny in Philly pointing at the moon. That's the, all I can think of right now. Is like, the best the thing, from- yeah. Or or Mariner with her little chart. Yes. The, the best thing about this whole thing is the one factor that none of these other stories time traveling things get into. Is that what was the root cause of the whole damn thing? Q. It was Q. 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 So all those, st- you know, and people are like going, "Wait, so Elner isn't alive, but he's he's a cadet and he's okay. He's on the ship." And you know, and 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 uh, what about Rios and the butterfly effect staying in twenty twenty four? And oh my God, don't you know, pull, you know, don't ever do that. That'll we'll all we'll wind up with forty seven different alternate horrible fascist you know futures across multiple. T- the best thing of all is it's like you get to that and your mind starts to go there. And you just go, you know what? You know what? The get out of jail card here is it's a Q thing. And this time he basically used up the last of his battery juice. You know, he saved it all up and did it. It's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm leaving. I'm dying. Any dying. How do you define dying for a Q? Although they commit suicide. Right. Right. But um, it's like whatever is tying you up in knots over this ending Q made it okay. It's like you just chalk it up to Q magic. You know what I'm saying? So for once, we don't have to get all wadded up in a ball over this. So Gerardi, if she was human and then she goes back 400 and she's a merged board queen and she's been that way for 400 years, it's okay. She's going to, you know, uh, the paradox thing about being in two places, forget it. It's a Q thing. He's just fixed it. And, and go down the line with everything else. He's just fixed it. Just, He's just, just the way they are is the way they are. Thank fine. you, Q. You're dead. You can't ever do this again. Damn it, Larry, you 
got me. That's a good. That's it. I mean, <laughs> that's the one thing. Oh talk about genes alive, genes dead, Berman era, Berman late era. You know, any of these this this season now. That's that's always been cute. No one ever questioned him doing all the stuff he does because it's always comes off as temporary. You know, so it you know, but if it's temporary and then he doesn't unchange it, then it's permanent now because right. he's gone. Right. But that's you know, so, he snaps from the minute he's popping himself into different, you know, military uniforms and seagoing things to changing giving Picard a this is your life to whatever the hell else he's you know, the whole thing of all all good things. You know, pick a pick a Q show, giving powers to Riker. Whatever it is, it goes and comes and, and it's always just Q magic. it's basically Q magic. There's nothing about the physics of it that anybody ever tries to track down and say they just go, well, it's Q. Oh, he's a jokester. He's a prankster that can be malevolent, maybe, and look mean. But in the end, he doesn't really do anything mean, mean, if you think about it. Yeah. I, I am content with that explanation. <laughs> so did Q I can sleep really? It's, it's better for your sleep. Exactly. Did Q really change the timeline, or was it just all in their head? Well, they're standing there at the end, and there's no Rios. Mm-hmm. And there's no Gerardi. Aside from the half-assimilated Borg queen standing in front of him, who's saying, "I want to do a new." Now, I th- the, one of the questions is: Is she speaking for the whole collective, or has she got her own mini one? That's what I, I think. Mini collective. It's probably, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're sitting there at that wormhole down in the middle of of the Alpha Quadrant, <laughs> and I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to be happy if it's like if if the rest of the Borg just transwarp down through and. Uh, plus uh, you know what I'm saying? If, yeah. they, if she's a beacon and they're like, – we don't, still don't know what happened with Janeway coming back through right. only 20-something – you know, maybe 20 years before this, 22 years. They talk about the Borg occasionally, and they even talk about them in the future on Discovery occasionally. But Right. Well, this is like – the, the, the other thing is this, this – have we seen a Borg ship like this? I mean we're used to seeing the square cubes as being like the Borg ships. But this is a They very, got like, kind of weird on Vo- on Voyager – the 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 board like the board queen had her own ship that was kind of like a pedally thing like okay that. so it was a little bit more like this maybe yeah they broken out of spheres and cubes yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they learned some other shapes from uh great yeah, yeah yeah well it's almost like it's almost like that's a meta oh god i never thought about this it's almost like their thinking got you know cubes and spheres are perfect mathematical simplistic things but these other things are almost like they have to be architected and designed and built so maybe there, there's a, there's more finesse, to right. board more thinking. chaos in the collective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, either that, or, and they, then I, I see, or maybe I see a lot of things maybe going. No, don't, don't niceify the Borg too. Yeah. I'm like, well, they niceified the Klingons, and the world didn't, you know, go apeshit over it. So <laughs> true, true. But true. Yeah, I, I like the idea that there's more than one collective, and she's got a renegade collective, like yeah. like Lore's Borg would have been. Yeah, except yeah, they were yeah, disconnected. Yeah. They were connected. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. But the idea that she's guarding this vortex or whatever the hell they're doing is weird. But. This trans warp conduit, right? Yeah, yeah. From Wesley a bigger, from good. a bigger villain that will pre- apparently play into Picard three. But <laughs> so, I, so I thought the new Stargazer was was beautiful, amazing. Oh. Oh. and it was a nice balance between. 
the TNG era starships to something, but something 20 years after something modern. It was, it, it reflected both. I thought not some big, stupid floaty <laughs> jumble of crap. We're not yeah. talking about discovery day. We're not talking. That's about what something. I'm comparing it to. That's I, what I, I'm I comparing that, it to. It, it, so much better. Dismount. So much better. Dismount. It's time to dismount. Oh, Dave. Nope. It's all Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sorry, Jen. I had to step in during your prolonged absence. <laughs> no, it's fine. Let the let the rage fill you. <laughs> wrong, wrong genre. Yep. Yeah. 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 We just had Star Wars Day. Let him have his Sith moment. <laughs> Sith moment. There you go. Sorry to the dark side, Dave. That's right. Uh, I thought, can I just say I thought it was very nice that Star Wars World came came up with this huge day just to celebrate Picard season finale slash Strange New Worlds premiere Eve. Yes, I thought that was very nice of them. Very it, was, nice. it, was, it was very nice. The, you know, it used to be that the fandoms were at war, and now we've entered this new age of peace and prosperity. Yes, that's why they gave Star Wars Day Revenge of the Fifth. So we're good. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I've always thought that that hype was overhyped, but yeah. Yeah. I do think, different t- story, I do think they missed the boat, though, by not releasing Obi-Wan, the, the Obi-Wan show on Star Wars Day. Just saying. I know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Well, well, hey, well, to your talk- point, thank, thank the, the produ- real quick, the production designer, Dave Blass, who is a, a totally professional. Professional uh, guy, but he came in for season two and three, and he's an old, old, old school fan. And he got all the golden era guys to come in and help, not replace the regular team that they had working, but he got the Akutas and and Doug Drexler and I mean, go down the line, Jeff Mandel. He got all the people that the reason they looked so good and everything felt grounded, and even even down through the line after the Stargazer days, uh, they they he got the old golden era the Berman era art team back working. They even used some Rick Sternbach didn't work hands-on, but they used some of his pieces um, through some of the stuff. So it's going to be a great unwinding of, and they loved it too. So it felt like they had kind of like the blessing of it, but that's why even when they're in the alternate universe and they're doing all kinds of other wacky stuff, it just felt very grounded. That yes. Way. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I've, I've heard. Well, some talk that, hey, are we going to get a Star Trek Stargazer show? We know that Rios won't be commanding it, but um, you know, it's just like, it built this beautiful ship. I mean, this bridge set and everything. It's like, just for one season, we only going to have this for? I was like, are we going to see it again? Captain Seven. Well, I, our little bird told me that it was, what do they say, fold and hold? It, they were they were not destroyed. It would be stupid to destroy them. But anyway, they've got ongoing shows, and they, and it was out here in L.A., so they're stored out here. Maybe they flew them back to Toronto, but yeah, yeah wow. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. See what happens. Let's jump over to Strange New Worlds. We have another show to talk about that is new, fresh, exciting, and we have the sexiest captain alive, Anson Mount. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Let's, uh, my, at least according to my wife, talk to my wife, Kristen, about that one. So, so she's like, she stopped in the middle. We were watching and she goes, Oh, I have sit and watch this with you. I can't. So I'm like, Okay. <laughs> All from Helen Wheels. He, he, she's loved Anson Mount from Helen Wheels. So, ah, 
Oh yeah. See, I wonder how much of his Hell on Wheels audience is coming over just for this. Yeah, but, yeah. I know. Well, there you go. There you go. So, Strangers World. Let's talk about it. Uh, Miles, why don't you uh, start us off here? Tell us a little bit. What do you think about Strange New Worlds? Um, I I thought the first episode was great. I loved it. I loved. Uh, um, I, I, the the show seems to be as far as the aesthetics really distancing self from discovery like the shuttlecraft looks like the classic shuttlecraft uh, but modern you know the uh, the phasers and communicators look more like the original series uh, you know so I don't know, Larry, what you think? I mean, just it seems like they're almost in some ways either, either just trying to embrace TOS more or, or distance itself from, from Discovery. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I think, again, I say this facetiously, but realistically, it was like it was a shit show birthing Discovery. Whether you like the show or not, it was not the way it was not the textbook way to launch a series to have the guy who sold the idea be kind of graciously forced out after a few months, mu- after, you know, eight or nine months or a year. And then the people he brought in all kind of variously phase out over the next few months while a different wave of designers and writers especially are phasing in. And meanwhile, you've spent millions on sets that now new people wish they could undo, but it's already been spent and they're not going to throw that away. So you're you're um, excuse me, you're kind of left with, you know, somebody I, I used to say it was like you get in a car, you get in a cab with a driver and you drive where you're going along the way. You have three different drivers, and nobody ever stops the car to do it. I mean, that's kind of what it was like, you know. But the the the, 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 the idea they landed that plane at the end, and it was still intact, and nothing could crash. If it'd been any other show on any other thing, any other platform that wasn't getting launched, if it'd been anything but Star Trek, and it wasn't launching a new thing like CBS All Access, it would have been had the, they would have pulled the plug six months out. Right. But because they had – it was like getting the motion picture done in time for December 7th. It was like having Voyager start UPN even though the captain casting blew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like yeah. keep throwing money at this thing because it's going to happen. And we've announced it, and we can't back up on our announcements, so we got to make this work. And then you know that's why year by year, Discovery kind of settled in. They should have been in the future the whole time. The thing about 10 years – when they wanted to have creatives show what they could do and compete with Game of Thrones, they should have gone to the future and not try to have it be 10 years before Kirk and Spock. But they took Brian's idea of like an anthology series and skipping 20 years and doing every season in a different era. They totally threw that out the window anyway. So anyway. it is what it is but yeah i totally everybody's so and then i think by that time everybody they had the reaction to the serialized thing and people got it and after they did four or five different iterations i mean i kidded about this when people blew up over it and i said you know what's going to happen they feel like they have to compete with serialized shows and i can't remember if this was before or after picard even was announced because picard brought a lot of love because of patrick and the whole idea Right. So some of that tamped down, and some people still said, "No, it's all made by Kurtzman, and we'll hate it, and blah blah blah." But you know, secret JJ is secretly controlling all this, <laughs> whatever it was. But I, you know, I said, "Look, guys, Facts. hang on." After one or <laughs> two or three, and they theory. announced these other shows, and you know, animation, and maybe Starfleet Academy, and maybe Section. But I'm like, just think, after five or six of these, 
somebody's going to go, I've got a gr- we need fresh ideas. I got a fresh idea. How about instead of serialized, we do standalone shows. <laughs> and it'll, to, to some people, that'll be like this radical new idea. And the rest of you just shut up and take it because the pendulum will swing back. And if you count it up, that's kind of actually what's happened. Right. It's kind of like, okay, that got old after three or four years. Now let's have a get, you know, let's, let's, here's our fresh idea is go back to the roots, which yeah. is, you know, where the JJ movies came from. It was like after Voyager and Enterprise, it was like, let's get back to the roots, only different. Right. So that's where we are, which is kind of scary that, that I was kidding, but that's what's happened. So they feel, plus all the reaction fans over right. the years. You know, well, you know, the serialized show, certainly Picard was a serialized show, but you were going back in a sense because you had Picard and all the notables that kind of help that feel familiar. And it's not that Trek can't write serialized shows. I mean, Picard is evidence of a successful way of doing that. Um, but I think I was wondering as I was watching. Well, I think season two was better at it than season one. I oh. think there were clunky parts in the first season of Picard. Right. I think uh, yeah. Miles would agree with you on that. But I think the whole Romulan incest twins plot was kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What new shadow are we going to hang around and lurk and snarl at this week? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I did think as I was watching Stranger Worlds, I wondered, so they came back to a more episodic show, but I wondered if Orville had any sort of influence in them doing, you know, seeing the success of Orwellville come out, AKA pseudo Star Trek, you know, I wonder if they saw the success of that and said, you know, there's still a market for this out there. Maybe it had nothing to do with it at all, but I maybe it was helpful that it was there. But I, you know, because Anson Pike and Anson they established that right off the bat. Now, when did I'm now I'm sitting there thinking when did Orville premiere versus season two of Discovery? And it's not just you know when it aired. It's like yeah, the, the thing I hate most about these serial shows, aside from the fact they're not made in L.A. where God intended. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but it costs. I've been told it costs four times more to make the same show in LA than it does in Toronto. So that's why they're all up there. But um, oh no, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, oh, you said what, that the, you were wondering when Orville came out versus season. Oh two. yeah, when Orville came, but because when the time we see something, it was filmed months before. I hate this disjointedness between the writing and then the filming and then the airing. And by the time it airs, they wrote it like a year and a half or two years ago. And the pandemic made all that worse, obviously. But even without the pandemic, it's like a year and a half when they first conceive it. So if you're going to talk about did Orville influence it, well, when did they start writing it? And where was Orville out in public arena? And when did they conceptualize a Pike show? Was it when when Discovery brought in Pike? Was it uh, after it aired and they said, oh, yeah, let's do a Pike show now? Oh, I think after – I think a few – weeks in when everybody fell in love with Anson and Pike. Cause I think the plan was for Spock to be the big thing. And they built the plot around, you know, Ooh, Spock. And then, Ooh, here's a picture of Spock with a beard and Ooh, he's the pivotal mystery guy. And the, you know, it's like, it was the search for Spock part two, you know, cause they were chasing him for three or four episodes. <laughs> but I think all along it was kind of like, well, Spock, that's nice, but look at this Pike guy, Anson. Wow. wow I think right, that right, right. everybody in surprise to the good. Right. Which was different than having everybody, you know, complain every right. week like they did during Discovery. That was like, oh, a new thing. People love something we didn't expect. Well, I figured so that. So I, I think I'm betting halfway through the season they were talking about. Yeah, you know, I, I did the like the, I did like the call out the beginning of the show of him riding a horse through the snow. I'm like, look, it's Helen Wheels. There's Anson riding a horse. 
<laughs> but, oh, well, I'm thinking it's Pike on Tango or, oh, Tango, yeah. you know, successor. Yeah. It was definitely the horse. It was definitely the horse. I don't know if the craft flew very close to them and, you know, Pike, you know, yelling at the Admiral for, you know, spooking his horse. And speaking of the Admiral, we finally get to see a live action Robert April. Yes. And you guys look puzzled that you don't know who Robert April would have been. Okay. (laughs) No controversy about that at all. No, Uh, no, not at all. (laughs) Just great. Just great. I like the the drive that um, Pike's being given about seeing his own death. And the the call out to that referencing other things in track. You know? Oh yeah, but I'll tell you from from the minute that opening credit scene started, and and you're right. I mean, the Enterprise finally looks like the Enterprise. This this looks like what it could have looked like in the '70s had we had what we have today to do it. It it just looks amazing. But the score through the entire episode Mm -hmm. was so reminiscent of, of everything. Did you say the story or the score? The score, the okay. music, yeah, That's what I thought. yeah, was just it, it. It was just cool. It just gives you the goosebumps when you watch it for the first time, and it's like, ha! I'm gonna love this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I like the uh, the what the the USS Archer. Um, we've seen the conjectural design from many different fan. Um, publications, outlets, never seen on screen before, but you know, a ship like the Archer, we've you know I've seen it, uh, and yeah, I think I think in some Star Trek uh, technical manuals, uh, like a conjectural destroyer or science ship or whatever, you know, a saucer or with a one nacelle type deal, but the we one saw ship basically, yeah, but um. You know, support craft like that. So we finally saw one on screen, which I thought was was pretty cool. Yes, yes. I mean, the hubbub I've seen online, people go, "Why did you only have a crew of three? In fact, I got in a discussion with a very well grounded, rational canon friend of mine, and he was just upset that all that the three of them. Why did all three of them beam down and leave the ship empty? Like. This side of paradise. She's like, once people are, there's no auto, re, you know, there's no auto recall. And I was like, well, maybe there was a long term, or maybe two. We were figuring out things. Like maybe two of them went down, and when they disappeared, the third one came down, you know, after them. Maybe the first, the two scientists went down, and then she came down after them, even though she didn't want to be. And it wasn't. It was the whole thing was accidental. It wasn't like a mission they were sent on. They maybe the rest of the crew was off somewhere else, and the three of them were were relaying the ship and they had this signal and they had to go check it out because it must have been something good. And, you know, it was like a, it was like a, uh, you know, it was almost like a horror movie where, no, no, don't go after the people that are missing and you're the last guy. Don't do that. Right, right, right. Don't I don't know. I mean, I can, I can see where that didn't bother me too much. It's just, just shit happens. And when it happens, it happens. Right. And, you know, right. Yeah. That didn't bother me either. That there's, you know, there's a very small crew on the ship. I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I love I love the chief of security. I lo- you know she's, um, she showed. Uh, I, I like how how smart she was. She was not above using her feminine wiles to, you know, 
pretend to pretend that she needed help, and, and when it was that she was just trying to get you know Spock in position, just to nerve pinch them so they could get uh, these uniforms. So I, I liked. I, I like what I've seen of her so far. Just uh, the, she, she's she's smart, she's clever. I mean, she's got a very complicated past, as we're learning about. But uh, but you know, she, she's very good at her job. She can totally fizz bin or multi legged creature on your shoulder her way into things. Absolutely, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and drop into the improv and go with it, and the rest of them went with it. That's there right. She her yeah, and and I'm waiting for the episode. Speaking of her complicated past. Where they, the, I'm, I'm excited to see the episode. Hopefully, it does come when they address her name, mm-hmm. uh, Noonie and Singh, right? And and see what the connection is. Comes he was with my this. uncle. We were ordinary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't throw you don't throw that name into a character and not have a plan for it. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. That's like when you keep yeah. hitting at a Lieutenant Kirk. Lieutenant Kirk. Oh, it's his brother, Sam. Okay, thank you. Which, that upset some people. I mean, it was a cute joke, and then I saw people go, Sam didn't, you know, like, only Kirk called him Sam. Well, that you know of. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, or, well, he never, he was a civilian. Well, he was a civilian eight years later. Maybe he, could, he, was he didn't serve in Starfleet before. Right. Uh, or he could be on the same, some kind of a civilian thing that, that cha- this chapel is in. Yeah, she's got some brevet rank. I saw people really worried that it looked like she was a commander, and it's like, oh look, she's in some kind of civilian program. Maybe that's why she's in white. Oh, I just thought of that. Maybe that's why she's in white, and um, and uh, Mbenga is in regular blue. And I love his top. His top looks so much. It's it's one of the best things that in the tricorder. I think even more than the other stuff. It looks like so TOS adjacent. Like it's just like one step removed. Like I can see it changing in nine years into. But that's a whole that's a whole different thing. I've giving up I've got given up my hanging on to everything original series. I've just written the original series into a box as these are the public dramatizations of Kirk's logs that he talks about in the intro to the novel of motion picture that that Gene wrote. Right. I've just it's the only way to resolve it because it's too much to the ship has sailed. Yeah. So you know, I'm gonna stay sane and love all that old stuff, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna want to go on a killing rampage. <laughs> oh, that's, good. that's a good thing. Good thing. Well, we have we have Je- Jen's here to help you work go. through that if you need to. Yeah, I charge for the hour. <laughs> <laughs> the actor played Mbega. I mean, just he plays a lovely man. But in um, the movie we reviewed, um, uh, Dune, he plays this scary, um, this scary guy. Um, you know, that gets in that knife fight, just like, so the actor who plays him is just, you know, you know, he, 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 he could play a scary guy and play this, this lovely, mm-hmm. loving, benign doctor figure in Star Trek. Hugger. Mm-hmm. The hugger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, you know, um, the, the character I'm looking forward to seeing is the, the, the engineer, the, the um, mm-hmm. uh, he, 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 he seems like he's going to be an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he's not just an Andorian, but he's an Anar. He's an Anar. Yeah, he's blind. You know, another blind engineer. Where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, awesome. And and this and and Strange's world will continue to drop Thursdays. Then is that the plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Star Trek Thursday. It's, they've done that since the beginning. Yeah. So, so is it is uh, how many episodes are slated for Strange New Worlds? Is it ten like Picard? I think it's ten. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Good. good. And so and is it is it is just Star Trek is, to catch up on? Is it just one? Yeah, is it just one season right now, or did they jump for the second season already? Oh, there's they they're three fourths of the way through shooting season two now. Okay, nice. Cool. Yeah, I say that they're they're well a ways into it. They're yeah. they're probably halfway through by now. They started in February. Okay, good. Anyway, they started earlier in the year. Yeah. Good, good, awesome. Well, we have some good trek to uh, look forward to. Any other thoughts on Strange New Worlds and uh, and or Picard before we wrap this up and uh, try and keep this slightly over an hour instead of like? Well, you guys, hours. you guys mentioned well, real quick. You mentioned like Noonien Song and Sam Kirk and all that. I'm waiting to see on the side totally. And we hadn't said anything about Tapring and Spock, which bothered me. But now that I see what they basically done is set up a muck time. She's already not thinking this is going to work out because he's running around the galaxy, not with her. Gallivanting. Gallivanting. <laughs> I can't believe they used that. How dare he? Uh, how dare he? But also, what I'm also wait, waiting to see is everything with, with Mbenga and with Chapel. What happens to Chapel that she's supposedly going to have a little bit of a crush on Spock going along, but then how does she get – what happens to her to go away and wind up with Corby? And then losing him and then come back to the Enterprise with Kirk and all to go hunt, you know, in what her little girl's made of. Her whole thing is she's joined us to go look for her fiance who's disappeared. And then he does and she decides to stay on board and is McCoy's chief nerds, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. And then there's the whole thing about Mbinga who had two shots on the original. Mm -hmm. And at one point McCoy says he interned in a Vulcan ward. And we've so we've already figured out so something happened to Boyce. I hope they mentioned Boyce at some point. Did Mbenga come in to replace Boyce? Piper is with Kirk. Mbenga is gone. Either he just didn't become the he he stepped down as CMO but stayed the whole time and was around Spock, or maybe something happens where he decides he needs to know Vulcan medicine and he goes away and comes back to the service or to the enterprise. And by that time he doesn't want to be CMO. He just lets McCoy have it, and he's just there, you know, not just for Spock. He's another doctor. But uh, anyway, I'm just – I'm hoping that if there's enough fanboys and girls in the writing staff and all that they play with all that stuff. Explain what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and they just – it's just like lots more trivia uh, – not, not trivia. It's more texture, and it just fleshes out the real-world feeling of the whole thing. Right, right. It connects it to the uh, greater mythos of Star Trek, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, and that Hashtag use the universe. That's yeah. right, right. Um, Samuel Kirk, there were some funny memes about comparing him coming to the ship that, yeah. like, from from uh, Guy from Guardian um, – no, I'm sorry. Um, uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, 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 thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was some porn stash. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> he does look like him. Maybe. There was some resemblance there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if they do bring a McCoy in, Larry, Ooh. I'm pretty sure you know someone who could reprise that role for a little bit too, couldn't you? <laughs> well, I do, but I don't think they're going to look in my direction. I've, yeah. But one thing, it'll have to be somebody Canadian because I think they have to be like oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be Canadian. So. <laughs> Right there. There you, there you go. 
Well, you know, they have this, uh, you know, software that can make you look younger, you know, you know the whole thing, you know. They, they can, can make you look Canadian. Yeah, they, they can make you sound air. <laughs> you know, you can give you the accent. Just throw an A in there. You're good. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I'm a doctor, not a maple syrup diver, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You got it. You got it. I'm a doctor, You're not a hockey hired. player, eh? You're hired. Yeah. After all, you are Doctor Star Trek. All right, so we- yeah. not going it, Jim. <laughs> oh my. my! Paid so much for that degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Oh, it's good. It's good. Well, you know, as we talk, as we wrap this up, I you talked about season one, Picard being maybe not as strong as season two, but if you were to rate season two of Picard as a as a complete season, let's just go around. Let's do this out of. Uh, Let's do it out of uh, a score of 10, because after all, why not? Um, how would you rank this a series, uh, you know, score one to 10, Picard season two? Dave starts out. Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. It would have gone to 10 if they had a few more skulls of Picard's enemies in the set. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes. Skulls of our enemies. Yeah, that's right. Or if he was drinking like blood wine from the skulls of his enemies, that would have been good. Oh, that would have made it an 11. Yeah, that 11 then. <laughs> 11 then, absolutely. I don't know. If if there's no blood skulls, I, I can't watch this series. I just don't know. <laughs> See, you I know, don't know that we can let you even... I'm sure they weren't allowed to get close to the... No, I'm... Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right, right. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> they were all sanitized before they were used. So. Holding on to the lobes of the Grand Nagus' skull. Yeah, yes. out of it. <laughs> uh, Jen, do you want to rate this? I know you didn't see it based on what I'm, you were talking like, you about. Know, I, I just said that you should go in with low expectations. I'll rate it as a five and then revise it later. Okay, well then you hopefully you'll revise it up. You hopefully revise it up. So, uh, Miles, how about you? Where do you rank this scale of no one to ten? Skulls. Uh, as far as the car goes, um, I'll give it a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Wow. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Larry, where are you at with this? Just not up to eight material, huh? Okay. Yeah, apparently not. not. Yeah, the last episode was very rushed. Hey, look, my Miles deals with fractions, all right? So we're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. I was gonna say I was also gonna say I thought all those threads actually were bound up way better than I thought they were gonna be. Yeah, me I mean, too. I know there's times it felt a little rushed and a little crammed. Um, and then to stick in the Wesley Crusher scene in the middle of all of that, which wasn't you know, pre-shadowed. I was going to say an eight. And I, th- I think the middle, I think the, it started off with such a bang on two or three fronts, the first two or three shows. And I thought there were going to be more, more socio-politically aware, like having Rios pushed around by ice and, you know, make some commentary about today. And then the ending was a wham bang ending and getting back into space and the Europa mission and all that. I just thought kind of the middle two or three were a little, a little a little saggy yeah when it, all the sets were standing around in either a clinic or a or a like warehouse chain link <laughs> looking right. room you know for the interrogate so i but i'll say eight because it was exciting to see all the art guys and i had that work and right just have people creaming their pants over so much stuff that was in visual <laughs> you know was a lot of fun yeah we we, we know i uh, i would have scored it like a nine Nine out of ten. I I I agree. I like the way they tied it up. I'm Dave. I remember having a conversation with you after the 
episode before the last you're like i just don't see how they're going to bring all this together and uh and uh, and they did and they did in a way that was for me at least very satisfying you know and um and enjoyable and and fun and um yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was well done. But I agree. Not to throw things. And have a yeah, I agree that the middle. The middle was weak. That that whole episode where they they have Picard and and um, Guy. Thank you. I was going to say Whoopi Goldberg's character, uh, but Guinan, like you know, in the in the like the interrogation rooms. Like I felt like that episode. Like they they bring this character in, and. He's a device to get Q into the room, I guess, at the end. But in the end, it was like he doesn't appear again. He's just kind of a, okay. So and like the that, actor that played the Kane, who was on the time ship with Maddock or Braddock, whatever, on yes. Voyager. And people were hoping he would be the same guy as a temporal agent jumping in to yell at them. And then he just turned out to be a rogue FBI guy who loved conspiracy theories. Right. A Fox Mulder. Right? You know, yeah. I it was like, about okay. that. I, didn't even, I didn't even put that together until you mentioned that. Yeah, there was a yeah. Yes. Darren, now why couldn't they have done that? <laughs> are you are you lowering your rating to like a six or a seven now, Dave? Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> no. But yeah. Well, very good. Well, uh thank you all for coming out. Uh, Jen, it's great to see you back again. Yes. I'm I'm excited to be able to actually get back to like watching shows. And- yeah, there you go. You'll have to let us know what you think of Picard and Stranger Worlds after you get a chance to watch them. So Yes. So, absolutely. And Larry, it's fantastic to have you back here in the diner. Real quickly, before we exit out of the show, again, where can people find out all about what's going on in your world? Just LarryNimacek.com. It's there. If it's not there the minute people get there, it'll be there within the next two or three days, by the end of the week, this week. But uh, Larry Nimichuk on Twitter and all the other socials, especially YouTube. If everybody go subscribe, I got into it late. Uh, Larry Nimichuk's Truckland. That's my Instagram and Facebook too. Okay, awesome. Very good. Well, thank you, Larry, for joining us. And thank you, guys. And why don't we uh, go ahead and exit out of the show? Thanks a lot, guys. Truck well. Okay, thank Thanks, you, Larry. Larry. It's great to have you on. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Leave your tips on the table. And go boldly.
was an old folk song. <laughs> Underwear on the head, playing a wall. Okay. Sounds like the. What happened? <laughs> Get Tanner and his skillet workers or something. Sounds like the you title know, of this episode, you... Scott. <laughs> No, I started this, remember? So it's like, <laughs> pretty good that you've already forgotten because you think <laughs> <laughs> Stay right there. <laughs>